Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Journeys with Jen. I'm Jennifer Griego. Today, um, I have a special guest, uh, Corey Pritchard. He is a longtime family friend. We go hunting with him up by Prescott, Arizona every year. He runs Vaquero Outfitters and, you know, it's going to be a fun time. Corey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you today? Good. Oh, and my dad is also here. He gets mad when I don't introduce him. So. Yeah, I guess I don't even, I'm not even worthy of an introduction. Well, you know, you're always here and I kind of forget sometimes. Yeah, that's basically when you have somebody do something for you all the time, every day and take care of you, you kind of ignore them. It's sort of like being married, except you're just a daughter. <laughs> Corey, I'm don't laugh. I'm getting really ugly look from her right now. <laughs> I, I've done enough things with you guys that just doesn't even phase me. <laughs> another, another walk in the park on it. <laughs> exactly right. All right, well, so I know... Chad Smith used to run Vacare Outfitters, and now you've kind of taken over. So how long have you been affiliated with that? You bet. So Chad and Sean Smith started Vacare Outfitters. I don't even know how long ago now. I bet it's been 20 years or so. Um, I've been involved in the company, if I had a guess, so probably right when I got about out of college, I'm going to guess maybe 12 years or so. Um, Chad hired me as a guide. Uh first time to work on a, a auction deer tag and been working for Vaquero ever since. So um, back then I, I just guided for Vaquero and I did everything for a few years there. It was, was my sole employment. So I did a, a bunch of hunts and then certain years when I had other stuff going, you know, I'd just do anywhere from two to five hunts a year or something. Um, and then when Chad decided to retire out of hunting, it was probably about seven or eight years ago. And he asked me to take over uh, the business itself. Mm-hmm. And so I took over running Vaquero at that time. And then uh, he, he retained ownership. Um, and I just ran it, you know, as a, as a manager pretty much. And then about two years ago, uh, me and my wife bought it outright for him. So it's, it's been a good run so far. Oh, that's awesome. So you run it completely now? Correct. correct. Okay, yeah. And then do you have certain people that guide for you that are always there, kind of like whoever can make it you know most of my guys i'm i can consider myself extremely extremely fortunate with all my employees Mm -hmm. um they're they're all friends of mine they're really really good at what they do they care um it would be a whole different world to do the business i'm in if i did not have the people i have um you know whether it's the the camp cooks you know or or the guides or everything they're they're all top notch you know and and for us we're really looking for an experience for our clients that's kind of a a second to none you know not just uh just another run of the mill many of these guys especially non-residents are waiting you know 15 20 years to come hunt with us and you you want to make sure that if, if someone puts that much time effort and money into something you know they're they're getting getting the experience they want you know it's hunting you're not always going to kill a giant you might not always even kill anything mm-hmm. um but we can we can always try to make sure it's the the best experience possible at least you know yeah for sure and i know i love hunting with you guys especially because we've known you for so long we can just roast you but um <laughs> so i know we hunt um on the ro ranch which is kind of by prescott do you guys mainly just hunt that area or what other units do you guys hunt so that's pretty much all we do anymore. Um, when we've changed the, the business philosophy over the years a little, when, when I first took over Vaquero, um, we were hunting all of Arizona and Sonora, Mexico, um, and probably doing, I'm, I'm going to say 100, 150 hunts a year, um, you know, between everything, which was a lot. 
Um, and we had a lot bigger footprint. We had other private property. We hunted a lot of public land. We hunted Sonora. And um, to be honest with you, I had I have other businesses and stuff as well. And it was those those first few years, the you know the business went well, but mm-hmm. I never hunted so little in my entire life. It was like all I did oh, yeah. was answer phone calls, talk to guys, make you know set up camps. You know, it it, it was it was very little. So it was for me. Um, it was kind of getting into the zone where it was, it was almost pushing the envelope of it, you know, a little too much of a business and, and kind of taking a little of the fun away from hunting, which I didn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so over time we've kind of restructured a little to pretty much where all we hunt is, is though our own now and, um, just try to do, we do a lot fewer hunts than we used to. And we just try to do a little more kind of high end catered type of a hunt and it, it's worked out really good for us. You know, I mean, it's a little easier to keep the hand on and, and keeps it a little more fun and, and everyone involved. Um, like I said before, people's the name of the game and mm-hmm. all the guides and everyone I have working for me have been with me a long time. They're all, all great. So it, it takes a lot of the stress off of, off of the business, you know, by doing it that way. Yeah, for sure. And so when you go out hunting with a group of your hunters, how many guides do you usually have? Do you usually have like one guide for a hunter or some people do it on their own? You know, most, most everything we do is one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, we do, you know, like some, some of your guys' hunts in the past, you know, you guys have had some awesome junior opportunities over the years where, um, you know, specifically there's a time range on the ranch where you can have a, uh, junior javelina tag and elk tag and a junior deer tag in your pocket all at the same time. Um, and I know you guys have had those numerous times and, and it just makes for, uh, makes for a really fun three day weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's not many places you can take kids and get the opportunity to hunt that many things at once. And, and the game's there, you know, it's not, I mean, you, you still have to hunt. It's not like there's one lane under every tree, but it, you know, you're going to see stuff and you're going to have opportunities at that. Yeah. And so, in those circumstances, a lot of times we end up with, with heavier on the kids, um, you know, and fewer guides, but pretty much all our trophy hunts and everything are one-on-one. Um, and I try not to have any more than four or at most five hunters in camp at once, ideally. So, um, just kind of depends on the hunt, you know, elk hunts and things like that. We're a little more limited on time. Mm-hmm. Um, archery deer hunts and stuff, we get a little more time. So it's, it, it just ranges, but usually no more than four or five hunters at a time. Yeah, and going back to when you're talking about um, our hunts and, like, hunting with kids, I know it's, a <clears throat> like, so much fun for our family. We go um, every Thanksgiving weekend, and it's so much fun, and we always are looking forward to it, and we've kind of turned into, like, a competition who can get the biggest one, and now we don't always have the same tags anymore. Now that but this Thanksgiving, David and I will both be um, no longer youth hunters, so Timmy will be the only one getting some of those tags, but it's always so much fun, and we always – end up pushing it to the last minute getting things loaded and kind of hunting till the very end but it's always so much fun and there's always like you said there's always animals to hunt and um like the javelina having youth javelina hunts um we hunt with our bows and we started with rifles and then went to bows and it's always so much fun and we definitely have developed so many memories on that ranch even driving around i'll remember opening gates and pulling jokes or where i shot a deer or an elk and it's so much fun and there aren't many yeah. places where you can have, like, a mini safari. I think you were kind of alluding to, Corey, where they've got three tags in their pockets. And, of course, these are youth hunts, so they're not shooting trophy animals. They're shooting management mm-hmm. deer or, 
you know, management bulls or cow elk and then whatever javelina they get a chance at. But it always seems like whenever we're with you guys and we're looking for a management buck, there's a 200-inch deer standing off the side of the road that we can't shoot. Mm-hmm. Or the first year Jennifer was there, the one you guys called Super Freak, which was, what, 220 inches or something like that? Yeah, he was 224. Dang. Yeah, he was he was standing off the side of the of the road as we were driving around and stood there for about 45 minutes. And like the sun was just us. coming up and he was skyline <laughs> and you could just see his silhouette. And I was like, dad, can I shoot him? He was like, no. I'm like, why not? He was right there. He's like, you have a management tag, Jen. And I was like, oh. There's always the Murphy's law. And it, it seems when we're looking for trophies, you, you see management bucks right and left and you're like, oh man, we could, we got youth hunters coming in next week. You know, this will be a blast. And then the youth hunters show up and you're, you're seeing all these trophies and you're like, where are all these giant three points that were here last week? Or, you know, exactly I mean, it's, right. it's like they, they get the memo to, to switch spots. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's, I remember driving through, we saw right before my dad went on one of his archery hunts, we saw some great archery de- or great big deer. And we were like, dad, like, look at these pictures. And Timmy took some great pictures and then it went back and you can never find them again. Well, I think one of those big deer got taken by the, the group before I was there, and then um, I don't know that January is kind of a tough time. Sometimes the bucks can be locked down with those, or have a bunch of does around them, and kind of tough to get in on them. And sometimes they get broken. Uh, I think the year that that buck that Jennifer's referencing was shot, just about everything else on the ranch was broken. Um, you know, and that's the I tell people we do a lot of archery deer hunts. It's one of our most popular. Bob, you come every year in January with us, and. You know, in my opinion, that's one of the hardest things to do. I mean, you know, pretty much we're exclusively spot and stock on it. So to spot and stock a mule deer with a bow, mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. difficult. You know, I mean, it takes, it. I'm going to say it takes skill, luck, and then you, you're still going to just need a lot of stocks. You know, I mean, it's just not an, an easy feat to do. And when you throw in the mix, you know, such as you go back uh, two years ago, we had horrible breakage on the deer and the elk. And so, you know, we have a lot of big animals usually, and, and they get in tight and get to fighting and stuff, and, and they can definitely, you know, damage damage themselves pretty significantly in a short period of time sometimes. And then other years, it's not too bad, you know, and it's, it's always kind of a roll of the dice, you know. Obviously, weather has a lot to do with that, but I've seen years where the growth wasn't bad, but they still break up really bad, or, or years where the, the growth necessarily was wasn't the best but they don't break up at all you know so it, it's just kind of a, a weird thing but yeah you bring up an interesting point i know we've talked about it before and i know you've had hunters out there that um have an agriculture background and it, it seems like in the years that we get a lot of moisture kind of late it's great for antler growth but if it comes uh, all at one time the vegetation grows pretty fast may not have the mineral composition or whatever that's good for antlers so they grow big antlers but they're not necessarily the strongest do you what's your experience with that do you think there's any substance to that with what you guys see out there i do you know and i talk to a lot of the old cowboys over the years you know and things like that because those guys pay attention to that stuff a lot and, and just necessarily i tell people finally a few years ago i said man i'm i'm going to kind of quit guessing because i every time i think i get this figured out i'm i'm way wrong which is <laughs> not not uh, uncommon for me in in my life but still <laughs> you know we uh i i said it it's a tough one i think there's so much to it other than just the amount of water hitting the ground you know i mean yeah. that you you can take the basis of it and say yeah if we have a real wet year you know like you take this year we're getting a lot of rainfall growth is going to be good and overall the, the consensus will be right growth will be good 
Um, but there's so many factors, I think. You know, now in, in Arizona, we don't really face the, the harsh winters of a lot of places, so we don't really run into, well, how, how bad did the winter knock them down or, or what happened here, you know. But I think even you take back, you know, say the rut the year before and how how strong was the rut the year before and how, how good a shape did they come out of that rut in, you know, is going to set them up for the next next season and then not just the amount of water we get in a year, but but times of water, you know, like this mm. year has been amazing. We've had more yeah. rain, you know, in the last month and a half than I, I don't ever remember. I was actually listening to a radio deal the other day and it was uh, um, the Forest Service talking about it for fire reasons, but I think they said it was like 1992 the last time we had this type of moisture this time of year. Mm. Um, you know, so it's it's we're kind of setting ourselves up for the perfect storm. But, you know, if you go back two years ago, we had a lot of winter rain. I mean, the, the moisture rain was insane, and uh, or the, the winter moisture was insane, and that was one year with bad breakage. So everything grew decent, but they didn't seem to hold together as much. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying, Bob, is sometimes just because the, the grass is tall and green doesn't mean it's got the best, you know, nutrients involved in it to to do the best possible. So I think timelier rain, you know, not necessarily bulk rain, but it's more kind of timelier rain and, and a little bit of consistency to it where you're not just getting it all at once and then it dries out and stuff. Um, you know, that, that stuff all has a big aspect to it. But the old cowboys always said if you get a lot of rain coming right away and the grass grows tall and fast, it doesn't have any nutrients in it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so they're, they're eating it, but they're not getting a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like you were saying, we got a lot of rain this year. And you're talking about the rut. So does the weather really, like, affect how hard the animals will rut? And does it affect, like, when they will, if they will earlier or later? You know, I think the the weather definitely has an effect on it. Um, I think the, the moon has an effect on it, you know, the moon phases as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's, there's just other aspects to it. I mean, I really think everyone kind of guesses on it, and there's probably some people who know a lot more than me about it. But in, in trying to watch things and just see, you know, relating year to year, in my opinion, you know, yes, you know, the amount of weather we have is going to help, you know, the horn growth to a certain amount. Meaning this year we've had a real wet year, right time of year, horn growth is going to be good. That's a given. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other factors that are going to break into that on a micro level, you know. And yeah. so um, as to if it's going to be an insane year or if it's just going to be a decent year. And I think the rut's similar. You know, I think there's so many factors um, into the rut that there's just no way for us to take them all into effect. You know, I mean, when you look at it, um, as far as when they're going to rut, how hard they're going to rut, how long they're going to rut, um, you know, we can pick a couple main key points, obviously time of year, weather meaning, you know, the elk aren't going to rut real hard if it's too warm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they got to at least have a little bit of cooling going down that time of year is, is kind of right in the transition from, from everything being warm to cooler. So if, if we get a cool spill, you know, that kicks in, that's going to help them, you know, cause you can imagine the, the amount of physical exertion they have in. And I mean, even if I'm sure you've watched a hundred times a bull go into a tank and waller and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and there's a lot to do with the weather. There's a lot to do with time of year. There's a lot to do with that, but I think there's probably a thousand other micro aspects to it that we don't understand, you know, and depending on which ones are, or which way they all add up to, to do one thing or another, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, just like real quick, what animals do you guys, like um hunt i know you do antelope elk and mule deer is that it 
So we do our, our main is antelope, elk, and mule deer. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do from I mean, we'll javelina are usually more just you know like you guys with youth hunters and things like that. Yeah. And then we do some lions and we do some bears. Um, bears as a and and this will be funny me telling you this, but bears <laughs> as a general rule, I don't really book much just because it can be a very tough hunt. Yeah. Um, you know, you can it, it, as far as in. And so what I'm always looking at is um, we do zero advertising for the most part. You know, everything we do is word of mouth. It's what we killed last year and what the what the clients left with is, and what they're telling their friends is what's bringing our, our clients back. We don't do any of the shows. We don't do anything like that. You and don't do so any podcasts me, with little punk kids or anything? We, we don't do any podcasts. You, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I, just I one. They, they told me this will this will be um, adequate for my community service. That it counts as my hours. That's so, true. So, Excellent. You know, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, the, for me, a happy client, I, I rather, like, I don't care what the money involved in it is. If I mm-hmm. thought a client was going to leave unhappy, I'd rather not book them. Yeah. So for me, for what we would have to charge usually on a bear hunt, you know, um, and the quality of the hunt they're going to get, I think there's better places to go. You know, not mm-hmm. necessarily because we, we do have big bears and we have bears, but, I mean, you can also come on a week and not see a bear sometimes, yeah. you know. So, I mean, it, there's there's places in Canada, you know, there's places in other states, that, and even in Arizona, that provide a, a better bear hunt, in my experience, for your money, usually. Now, that being said, unless you're Jennifer Griego <laughs> and you come onto the ranch and spend, what, maybe four hours. Well, it depends on if you're... Flying and shoot a giant. How does, is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, it depends on if you're counting hours, if she's actually awake or if she's doing her usual thing and... And, uh, well, am I ever awake, though? That's the thing. <laughs> so what, what Corey's referencing is last year, Floyd Green was on the ranch looking um, to help with some lions and tracking for, for lions, and he saw a big bear track. And I think he'd seen it the year before as well. And, um, you know, he told us that um, he'd let us know because Jennifer had a bear tag um, that was given to her by da- by David Sino from California. David bought it at uh, the Tucson SCI Thing it was the auction tag for the year and then david put the first bid on it and no one else bid against him and then he was like uh i really don't want to buy this because he's got a lot of property in california with tons of bears on it and so he gave it to jennifer through eddie corona and the outdoor experience for all and so she had you know i think we got it around december or something mm-hmm, yeah <clears throat> so part of the, the clock had already been ticking on it but um we heard about this bear and and Corey went and put out a camera or a couple cameras, I think, right? Corey? Yeah, there was like a dead cow and he put a camera around it and then on the water hole because it was a really hot, dry summer. Hot, dry winter, yeah. Well, yeah, this going was, into summer. This was... Uh, June. No. Yeah, I got mine in June. Did you? Beginning of June, right? Yeah. It was, yeah, it was pretty early in the year. Um, it, it was going into summer, if I remember, but yeah, I, I ran up because I remember thinking, you know, that time they'll be hitting water or something and so we went up and set up some cameras and, and the bear activity was actually really high you know mm. i mean I, I was amazed with how many bears were which like i said we know we have bears you know it's just hard you know especially spot and stock and a lot of that country they live in you just can't see very far you know yeah. I mean, it's, exactly. it's not real glass pole where they were but but uh you guys definitely didn't struggle with it too bad so may 29th for the record yeah it was like um, right from world day we went up yeah but we went up there and and you know i remember talking to you Corey, and you said you know honestly i think that it's not going to be 
just the way the weather was and the wind and that kind of stuff. And the, you, I don't think they've been coming, at least the big bear had not been coming to the water. And oh, it's because the cow, we had a, there was a dead cow. And then but and the, the, the cow, the cow, the cow was gone. gone. Um, yeah. And uh, I was like, well, you know, I've got the day off. I think we'll just go up and give it a try. And you told us basically which tank to go to and went in by ourselves and set up a blind. And um, I did some predator calling. We were in there like at sunrise and called for five or six hours i think yeah, we jennifer left like 10 o'clock finally my legs were getting cramped because jennifer was laying sprawled out asleep on the floor of the little blind i only brought um the little How backpack blind. snoring compared to the predator call did it did it mess you know with what, it Corey? was it a nice addition to <laughs> Corey? It, it i think it was scarier to the creatures the woodland creatures uh-huh. i don't uh-huh. snore people yeah because she does that kind of high pitching look <laughs> yeah kind of the 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 snort, the pig snort that she does along with it. <laughs> you know that. Yes, exactly. The javelina were hanging around quite a bit, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. Yeah, I that disagree. does explain some things. But anyway, I was I thought, well, let's let's go, let's pack this up and move somewhere else. And uh, well, you can tell the story, Jennifer. So I yeah, said, get so, up, let's, let's so get out. So he woke here. me up, and this was at like eleven <laughs> o'clock, I think. Yeah, so he morning, woke me up, and he was like, "All right, it's like it's warm. They're not coming in. Let's just go." And so I was still laying on the floor like trying to wake up and my dad goes jen jen bear get your gun get your gun like get behind your gun and my gun was still on the tripod on the triclops and but it was unloaded and there's nothing in the chamber but there and was i was outside the blind he, my dad's outside the blind up. trying to grab some stuff like i think a camera or something and so i was like oh crap there's nothing in here so i looked at dad i'm like there's nothing in here he goes well load it so i um i put one in the chamber and <laughs> the bear just stops and stares at me i was like oh my gosh it was like i was I wasn't, I don't know. I might've been scared. I don't honestly don't remember, but I like remember stopped and like staring at the bear while it stared back at me. Cause it had just heard me work the bolt. And then yeah, he kind of like, she said to me and she goes, Bob, she goes, dad, there's, there's nothing in the chamber. I'm like, well, there's one in the magazine. Just rack it in there. Yeah. So I did. And then it just stared at me and I was like, okay. Yeah. The bear stopped and stared at the blind. That's How far I away was it? Said. Jennifer? Oh, uh, like a hundred, a little more than that. One. He was only like 150 yards, but yeah. he was coming straight down. Yeah, so I was like, I froze, and then he, like, looked down and went down to the water, and so I, um, I shot, I shot right when he got to the water, and then he kind of, like, ran into the water and started, like, rolling around and stuff like that, and then, and I go, okay, well, wait till he gets out of the water, and then shoot him again, so he... Well, actually, you know what, uh, Corey, I was, actually have this, uh, video, I can play it, you can hear the, the real audio, let me, might have to, to, um, check the levels here, Jennifer, but let's see if... Happen to have this on my computer. So he's outside the blind when he's filming this, and I was inside. Wait a second, why isn't that? Technical difficulties. He struggles. Yeah, hang on. I might have some things. Uh, what are you doing? Unbelievable. Yep, that's that's true. Why don't you just play the video? I tried. I didn't think. I don't think it has any audio. Let me see. It does. Fast forward. Well. Yeah, here comes the bear walking down to the water. And this big bear just kind of roll their front shoulders. It's coming. Get on again. You got him, Jim. He's in the tank, the water tank. Get on him. If he gets out of the water, shoot him again. 
Now, let me pause that for no, a second okay, there. No, no, no. I need to stop. pause that no, for a second no, for the audience. No, because no, We need no, to have a witness no, here, Jennifer. This no. is an important part. I feel a little part. griego no. talking. No, no, well, Did you no, hear not, anything no, there, No, 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 no. See, here's here's the thing. Well, did you hear? No, Hold no, on. No, 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 no. This is no, not no, no, good no, audio no. for to be here's, here's spazzing the, here's, out. Here's the thing. You said, if he gets out of the water, shoot him. Again. I didn't say if. I said when. Let's say back. You said if he gets out of the water, shoot him again. I just listened to it. And then he gets like a foot from being out of the water. And I was like, you know, I'm going to shoot. So I shot. And then he went back into the tank. <laughs> We're going to play the audio again because I want people to understand. We, 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 just, we need to clarify this. Yeah. She, she he can't even see it. It's He was almost, I'm going to say he's out okay. of the water. He's not. He's, he's like. Well, not at this moment, well, at this but point, when I shoot again, shot. I bet. I'm just glad this is only audio and none of us have to experience Bob stripping down to his boxers <laughs> and going in the water to get the bear yeah well i always wear a speedo i wear the austin yeah. powers okay, the British flag okay here's the here it is again get on him if he gets out of the water shoot if. him again see told you now he's six feet from the water get on him five get on him. as you say in the water you say get, get on him Great get job. on him <laughs> that means shoot in my mind Oh, your mind is sort of a... See, look, and then he goes back into the water. He never got out of the water. Well, he goes farther in. And you know you what? Know, since it wasn't me who had to go in there after him, I think she made... See, look, call. he went he farther back. he's going deeper into the water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if he was outside of the water, he would have just gone back in. You he never got again. out of the water. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? Here's your... Now kids. Now kids. Hold on, now here's the audio with Jennifer. She might have fallen back asleep here. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been like... Five minutes since she, you know, it's, it's been more like now. 30 seconds, Corey. You unloaded? <clears throat> <laughs> I only fall through that fast on an elk hunt. Okay, here's back to this. What'd you just do? Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> that was great audio. <laughs> All I had to do was unload the gun and get out and get ready to leave, right? Yeah. Holy crap. Unbelievable. Good job. Hey. Wow, that's a little. Yeah, that's Jennifer. Jennifer's usually a ball of emotions when she, you know, oh, shoots yeah. a giant animal. She just really lets it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the moral of the story is I probably should do more bear hunts than I do, but I'm gonna have to get Bob <laughs> and Jennifer to get a guide license and come take care of them. See, I'm really no help. I'm just there for to take a nap, really. Well, she is. I'll give her credit. She goes from sleeping and slobbering to there's no a slobbering. Vicious, um, Shooter in a matter of uh, what was that? Two point five seconds. She goes so, from sleeping and slobbering to shooting and slobbering in, in yeah. a really short period of time. Corey, there's no slobbering. There's no slobbering <laughs> in baseball. <clears throat> Although I will say, um, my last elk hunt um, was in like September of last year. Uh, Corey said I fell asleep the fastest he'd ever seen someone fall asleep. I don't even think like I think she was mid talking. I don't even think she finished the sentence. <laughs> she's just like. Boom. Well, I was really tired, and then I saw this tree, and then when he finally said, okay, we're going to take a break, and I was like, okay, sick. So I went, and I leaned against the tree, and I fell asleep. Well, let's finish the bear thing. So that bear oh, came right. in, and it was a big boar, and, mm -hmm. and I, had, I had been predator calling for hours. I just stopped, and I think the bear must have heard that. It was probably oh, coming down for water anyway. While we were getting that, well, my dad was getting that bear out. Um, there was this little bear that kept walking around. Not like around the tank, but kind of around the fence, like on the, um, like, I don't know, maybe 200 yards back, yeah. kind of watching us. He would walk back and forth. It was kind of funny. 
But that bear wound up being over 400 pounds. It was almost Boone and Crockett. Missed it just by, I think, two sixteenths of an inch. It was, oh, that's a shocker. It was 20 and 14, I believe. Wait, two sixteenths? Is that an eighth? You know, you can't fool her, Corey. She's way smarter than she looks. Well, it, what's up with it, my eighth of an inch thing? Except for when it <laughs> comes, except for when it comes to when if the bear gets out of the water, shoot him again. Do you know what because you said? You said you. We just listened to it. You said, "Get ready, get ready, get ready." Yeah, and my mind, that means shoot the freaking bear. Well, the bear did plus, die plus, in a water tank, plus, and it was a lovely tank. It was full of all plus, sorts of cow pee and poop, and just saying. it was disgusting. And I should have. We had another. Well, we had a big bull one time that a, a young girl shot, and he ran right out in the middle of the tank and died. And I mean, all that was was one little tine sticking up out of the water. We had to swim out <laughs> oh there, my gosh! Tie a rope to him and. Play. It was, but for some reason, if, if there's water around, they seem to be attracted to dying in the middle of it. Exactly. That's right. It happened to a moose I shot in British Columbia once. I shot him. He ran 800 yards downhill, died in the middle of a uh, beaver pond. <laughs> the guy's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? He could have stopped anywhere before he got there, and he would have been easy to get out. And but see, this causes go. a bigger problem for you than most people, Bob, because if that <laughs> water's over like two feet deep, then it's up to your neck. So then it, I do know, carry a snorkel. Get a snorkel. <laughs> yeah. There as far as the normal normal people do. I appreciate that. Thanks so much, Corey. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> very I'm nice. Glad Corey very nice. Can roast yeah. Him. yeah. Who would who would think that I would get roasted like that? So that's oh no, nice. never. Get I never roasted. get roasted I've by done, everybody. I've on done here. so many hunts with you that I've realized defense, def- offense is the best defense. If if you do not hold your own <laughs> yeah. with this family, they will eat you alive. It's very so. true, especially in charades. <laughs> Yes, that's true. yes. Well, you just don't stay, you, you just understand that when you play charades with the Griegos, which is a nightly event, you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't stand a chance, so you just go into it like that, and then you still have fun. Well, David once said we would beat a blind family. <laughs> he said we were so good, we could beat a blind family <laughs> in, in charades. charades. And that just tells you how smart David is. <laughs> he I, meant I still death. Would, but yeah, I, he says because of Helen Keller, since she was both blind and deaf, he now mixes them up. Yeah, that's our that's our smartest kid. Hey. <laughs> oh no offense, Jen. It's kind of rude. I think I'm smarter than David, maybe on a good day. Okay, get back to asking yeah. Corey questions. I'll back back to interrogating Corey. So, like we were talking about the rain and everything this year has obviously been really really good. Um, and last year it was pretty dry, and I know the um, growth wasn't as good as it usually is so how do you think this year will be compared to last year for antler growth and so stuff? one thing i usually do believe also is that very rarely do you get two really bad years in a row and i'm going to call last year a really bad year mm-hmm. now for i believe the elk were significantly off um and and you know with with some pretty proof in the pudding that the elk were significantly off and i think that was you know arizona wide the mm-hmm. deer did a little better last year um, because deer's growth cycles a little later than the elk, and we did have some rains that hit a little later and kind of helped them along. So uh, the deer were still off, but they weren't weren't in as bad a shape as the elk were, you know, as far as growth is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do believe that very rarely do you get hit that hard, you know, two years in a row. I'm not saying it's you know just because of that that's going to make this year great, but usually if you have a bad year and you have any sort of decent. Um, you know, weather and, and horn growth opportunity the following year, it's usually does a really good rebound, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, in, in my opinion, which once again, I go on record as saying I am wrong a significant amount of time. So, <laughs> but in my opinion, I think we're in a perfect storm. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for this year, you know. I mean, 
you got an elk tag coming up, yeah. um, which is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. But I think it's, I think this is going to be a year that, you know, I mean, hunting's always fun, but there's certain years and certain times where you kind of get the perfect storm, mm-hmm. no pun intended, and it just, you know, everything comes together just right. And, and my hopes are, and and you know, in, in speaking with other people in the industry, you know, I, it's it's pretty pretty widespread that this year is going to be, you know, one that's worth having a tag on. Yeah, and I I think it's so funny that how over the years I've slowly started to think more about like the more rain we get, I'm not like oh it's pretty rain. I'm kind of like oh the antler growth will be good this year. Like I think it's weird how it's I've like changed over the years. Um, but also, yeah, last year was a pretty rough year, which is probably why you had both me and my dad hunting, so we can make the elk look bigger in pictures. Exactly, exactly. It, it, the Griegos always make excellent trophy photos. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I do have this quote about <coughs> Jennifer. He's evil, and he wants to take over the world, and he fits easily into most overhead storage bins. See, I can't help but notice it said he in there, so I'm pretty sure it was meant for you, <laughs> not me. <laughs> well, well that could be. This one fits perfectly, though, for Corey. Nerd alert! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, if I had, you know, the, the amount of badgering you guys have given me over the years, <laughs> I mean, I can still remember losing at charades and getting referred to as Gilligan. Yes. In the same, like the same three-minute period, you know, and, and yeah. this was just perfectly acceptable. Yeah. My dad texted me and he goes, these are the questions for Gilligan. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I knew exactly who he was talking about, and then we played another. It was like heads up. Well, we got we got to give a shout out to Blake Chapman. Oh, Blake! It, we were playing charades. We were playing, the answer he, was Gilligan's, Gilligan's Island. Island, and he guessed and it. He and guessed I it. go, I go, thanks, Skipper. <laughs> and uh, I think Skipper has fit him pretty well. He was stuck, and as soon as he became a skipper, well, immediately Corey was Gilligan. So yeah, and then yep. we played it yep. the next year, and he it was like Revenge of the Nerds, and I was like, <laughs> I was like Corey. And they got it, which, you know, that doesn't say a lot for me. But as soon as she said Corey, the movie was guessed. Yep. See, not no, only no, was no. it a rose, but it was a rose <laughs> yep. everyone else understood. So You know, that's, a, that's the one thing about it, though. I'm, I'm uh, Like I said, you just you got to be offensive with you guys. I, I learned right away the second you step foot in the truck, I just start start giving it, giving you as many cut downs as I can. And then that way you, you at least feel like you're trying to survive. <laughs> you know? True. And there's no mercy either. Yep, yep. Well, it's different if it was just one or two of you, but all five of you are like that. So it's, you, you really got to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, for anybody that's listened to this podcast, including the Mother's Day episode and the uh, first one with David, um, we don't let a whole lot, whole lot of opportunities to shred each other go without being No, we addressed. really don't. But I do want to get back to the ranch for a second. Tell us a little bit about how big it is, you know, how many acres and you know, all that sort of stuff. And also I'm curious about what the experience is with the elk, the bulls on the ranch, they come on there um, in the rut or whatever. Give us some information about size and, and how the population varies. You bet. So the ranch is um, all together, including the private and the, the state land, is 257,000 acres. Uh, so it's a very large chunk of property. There's a there's a road, I mean, just to put it in perspective for you, there's a road that comes on one corner and kind of diagonals across the ranch to another corner. And, I mean, it's a, it's not a, uh, you know, well-maintained road by any means, but it's not a two-tracker. And you can, it takes you almost three hours to get across it, you know, of mm. driving. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, a very large, very, very large place. Um, a lot of it's, 
really rugged. You know, the road net- networks in it's pretty decent. Um, the ranch has been, you know, I must say they have been the best people in the world to deal with from the manager side to the owner side to everything. They're, they're just awesome. And they have put a ton of money into the roads and the upkeep of, of it, especially over, we'll say, the last five years and fencing and um, restoration projects, tree removal, um, all sorts of stuff, and, and it, it shows. You know, I mean, especially mm-hmm. you take last year when it got really dry, they spent, I don't even know how much money cleaning tanks, you know, and so our, our tanks are really well-established, which they were well-established before, but one thing we usually, we don't run out of drinking water. You know, I mean, even even if it's a dry year and uh, and the uh, grass doesn't grow as much, there's almost always lots of, you know, standing water for animals to drink, both for cattle and, and wildlife alike. And that mixed with certain aspects of the topography and the terrain and everything just really attracts uh, specifically elk for the rut, you know. So we have a lot of elk that rut on the ranch that I don't believe reside on the ranch year-round. Um and I used to laugh when it was Chad because everyone used to make fun of him, and and now it seems to be me. But it it'll get you know will be two weeks before that. Corey, people don't turn. make fun of you that you know of. I, I don't no, really never, think no. that's a... no. not to my face anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it'd be like two weeks before the archery elk hunt starting, and he would be flipping out, you know, because you're out there looking around, and there's I mean there's elk, there's usually a ton of cows and a ton of bulls. But you're not seeing anything big, you know, nothing, nothing like we're used to hunting. And so you start sweating the little bullets, and you're like, man, are they, you know, what's going on? What's going on? And then it's like one day the light switch flips, and all of a sudden they're here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we used to, we used to take great enjoyment in watching him squirm from that. And then now everyone seems to take great enjoyment in watching me squirm from it because no matter. No matter how much you know that it's coming, it still is always in your head, you know, when you're when you're standing there going, okay, when are they going to show up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so with with a facility that size, too, you know, I mean, there's, like I said, there's rough, remote, rugged country that, that stuff gets into, you know, that, that's hard to find and hard to, you know, a lot of hunters can't get into there. Um, so we have, we have lots of country to hunt, luckily. The one thing we tell everyone is that you which is, I'm going to say not the nicest, but there's very few places on the ranch you're going to step where you're not going to step on a rock. Um, you know, so it's it's rough on feet, but there's some there's some easier country, there's some rough country, we've got a little bit of everything. And for some reason, it's kind of the perfect storm to where the elk really like to rut there. Um, you know, so we end up with a high population of elk for the rut, uh, which is great for us, obviously. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I've been on those... A couple of those hunts. The first hunt where, you know, they're they're really not going strong. You know, they're, the rut really isn't uh, in full swing, and there are new bulls showing up every day. But uh, I think it was three years ago. Um, it was pretty tough. There just there weren't a whole lot of big bulls around, and uh, you know, it got better throughout the season. That was a bad year for the whole state of Arizona. Uh, what was that? I think twenty sixteen, maybe, um, where the the rut just really never got going and the people that did the best were the early rifle hunters. Um, but I know it's always stressful for you guys when you're out there looking for several days before the first group of hunters get there and there are lots of cows, but, uh, the big bulls just aren't coming in to check them and, and that sort of stuff. But, um, as you said, a lot of times there are bulls, big bulls there too. They may not be with the cows they are hard to find them in the deep rugged canyons. They're hard to glass and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I think a lot of people that, think hunting private land 
everything's a you know a gimme and it certainly isn't they're wild animals it's rough rugged country especially you know those of us from arizona who hunt that kind of country a lot are used to it but i'm, I'm sure you get people that come out from back east and um, texas and places where they've hunted a lot of other things but hunting elk in the steep mountains and deep canyons and stuff is a lot of times beyond the capabilities of the guys that come out and think it's going to be a easy private land hunt it is it's you know it's it's definitely not a not a fish in the barrel deal you know and a, a lot of people don't realize that and we we try to tell them going into it you know that it's um it's physical a lot of times you know we don't sit as much water as a lot of people you know especially you know like on the, the archery elk that's a pretty popular method of hunting and we do some of it um you know but we don't do probably quite as much of it as a lot of guys do um the majority of our stuff is spot and stock even in even in the the rut you know whether it's um you know and, and what it comes down to is you've got to wade through you got to wade through a whole lot of bulls to find a bull that you know real top i don't care where you are and so if you're or, uh, you know, kind of sitting there waiting for one to come to you, it's hard. You know, you're going to get a lot of help to come to you, but, you know, you're looking for that one out of a hundred of those bulls that you, that we're really want to kill. Um, you know, and so usually the most effective way to that is you've got to be able to cover a lot of bulls, you know, in a short period of time. So glassing is usually the best because instead of having to spend a lot of time on each one, if you can just get your eyes on them and, and narrow down the field to what you're after, it really helps when you're trying to take kind of that, that top end, you know, trophy quality, which is for the most part, what we're after, you know, is, is those bulls that are, that are a stage above and beyond everything else. Right. And the ranch does have great landscape for glassing points and being able to see. Especially when you get Blake up on there. (laughs) Especially when Blake's up there looking for you and, you know, Jennifer's behind him in the back seat sleeping. So, yeah. T- and Timmy's the one in the back seat. I say chocolate. Timmy is always out glassing. That is true. When it comes to glassing, he is a badass. Oh, whatever. Um, <laughs> I do have a legit question. So um, I know I've only been on like one archery elk hunt on the RO. And you shot a great bull, by the way. Yeah, I did. Last year. That was a lot of fun. If, um, if I remember right, it was wider than your dad. I do. Yeah, it, it was. I think it was. I, yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe a half an inch wider, but quite a few points smaller i disagree um anyway <laughs> so do you guys they're both great bulls and for the rut i think the bull she killed was like 330 ish somewhere in Something there like that, yeah. um and probably would have been a 350 plus bull on any other year and the one i killed was 365 367 i think something Maybe like that 350. And, um and that would have probably been a 380 class bull you know it's just one of those mm-hmm. years but you know, we don't really care about that. We just want to get the best chance of the best animal and, and the hopefully meat make and it work. And everything, too. Yeah. We I mean, eat all of it. If um, our opinion, and Jennifer, you can say if you agree with this or not, but, you know, it's not, if you are too worried about what an animal scores, I think you're missing out a lot on the experience and what mm-hmm. the animal is. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, like, obviously getting a nice, mature bull and a big bull is, like, the goal and it's what you want. But, um, as long, I mean, if you work hard and you just enjoy the hunt, I feel like stressing about the score and stressing about what bull you get kind of takes takes it out, especially if you don't get what you're looking for. Maybe that year wasn't a good year and there isn't what you're looking for. Like on the ranch, it kind of defeats it and it makes you not enjoy it as much. And I don't care that much about the score, um, but I love getting a big bull. But if I got like a 300-inch bull, like I still would have been really excited about it. You know, and that's uh – 
we we run into all sorts of different people, you know, from from all sorts of different walks of life, you know, who come and hunt with us. And I have seen guys, and, and I understand it, but I've seen guys just tear themselves apart over inches, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 I mean, I don't mean to be hypocritical because we are we are a very trophy oriented outfitter, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're after. Where you want to kill big mature animals. You know, we're not the guys you want to call just to go kill something. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're people who are really trophy oriented. But I believe you can be really trophy oriented and be geared towards that, and still, you know, enjoy the hunt for what it is because yeah. it's hunting. You know, and I don't care who who you are or what check you think you're writing or whatever. It's a hunt. You know, you're you're buying the opportunity to hunt. That doesn't mean the horn growth is going to be good. That doesn't mean the rut's going to be good. That you know, there's there's a lot of aspects to it, but it doesn't mean if you purely gauge your trip on a number, then you're missing out. You know, and and I've told guys this a lot, but I've seen you know, especially you get into the non-residents. You know, at you guys as residents, uh, you know, you're you're fortunate enough that it's not as hard to draw the tags. But for our non-residents, you know, most of them guys are waiting 15 to 20 years, and so you take a guy who's, let's say, he's in his late 50s or 60s, you know taking him that long to get the tag and you know he's, he's maybe killed a number of elk or a lot of times a lot of elk mm-hmm. but never the caliber of what they're here to kill with us well you know i don't care where you go you know not everyone kills a 400 inch bull not everyone kills a 370 bull mm-hmm. you know not everyone kills a 200 inch mule deer it's just the way it is yeah. and so you know your that guy's waited 20 years for that opportunity but if you really gauge yourself, I mean, I've seen guys drive themselves nuts. We had a guy one year, um, you know, who, who passed a bull, and we we didn't know the bull was, was bigger than we thought. I mean, he had he had over 60-inch beams. He was a 7x7, seven seven, you know, just kind of everything we gave him, he was he was bigger than, than we gave him. Mm-hmm. But we had the bull at, like, three 378 or something we were calling him, you know, is, is what we thought. We thought he... We thought he might tap on 380, but it's kind of one of those deals where he's like, yeah, he's probably a 380 bull, but I can't quite call him a mm-hmm. 380 bull, you know. Um, and we, it, it was it was a year that we didn't really know of. It was by the early rifle hunt. The bull had been missed, I think, three times with archery hunters. We had three different archery hunters miss this bull. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got to the early rifle hunt, and we, we killed, I killed with my hunter a 386 bull that morning. It was first morning. Dang. And this hunter had passed this other bull that morning at like 100 yards, you know, and, and he was just, he was hung up on the 380 number, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, bull, and he came back and, you know, he was fighting his head over it. He was going on and on, you know. And, this and is because because he passed on it and somebody else shot it and it was 386 no, or no, no, this was a different bull. The bull we killed that morning, the 386 bull, was a separate bull. Oh, okay. But he was fighting his head over whether he should have passed the bull or not. And the okay. guide was kind of, you know, that's the one thing we're, like I said, we're real trophy-oriented. So, you know, if you don't want to shoot a 400 bull because you want a 420 bull, okay, don't shoot him. You know, that's, that's fine. We've, we've had other guys that probably will, you know, mm-hmm. to give you. And, and that's kind of what I told that guy. You know, he came back and he was looking at the 386 bull we killed, and he's looking, he's starting to add stuff, you know, and looking, and he's realizing what he passed, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's looking at it, and he's realizing, man, that that bull looks a lot like this bull, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not, not necessarily in straight horn structure, but, you know, just overall size and stuff. And, uh, you know, I told the guy, I, he, he was, he was, he was flustered, you know, and I told him, I said, hey, you know, you're, no one's going to be mad at you. You pick, pick whatever you want to do. You know, I, I completely understand you waited a long time. 
but I said you you do need to realize that bull's not going to live that much longer because we got other guys in camp who will, who will kill him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so I just don't want you thinking, oh, well, four days later from now, you know, I'll go back. So he decides he wants to kill him. So we go back that afternoon, and we kill the bull. And, of course— and I'm sorry, this is archery? No, early this rifle. Early oh, rifle. Okay. And we kill the bull, and, of course, he's— you know, that morning he passed him down in the open stuff at 100 yards, and we kill him, and he's way up on a hill, and back in the, you know, and we're going <laughs> to pack him out. Well, but let's make a long story short was the bull ended up, at, I think he was 392 or something. So, Dang. I mean, he was he was significantly bigger, you know. I mean, he, he had 15 inches over what we were calling him or so. Mm-hmm. But we were pretty sure he was at the 380-ish mark. We just couldn't quite say for sure. You know, he was just one of those bulls that he fooled us a little, you know. Mm-hmm. But the guy's number was 380, you know, and it was one of those deals at 378, he wasn't happy. And right. at 380, mm-hmm. he was ecstatic, you know. And I, I tell guys, I'm like, man, you're setting yourself up for for heartbeat when you do that. You know, I mean, it just, it makes it, 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 it which it's our job. So, you know, we take it with everybody. It makes it hard on the guys, but it really... It, it's going to take away from your hunt and your experience, you know, and in my opinion, if you get down to that, you know, I mean, if, if you want to shoot a 380 bull and you think bull's 380 and you shoot him and he's 370, you're like, oh, well, you know, that's an awesome bull, you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. a great, great deal. But if you want to shoot a 380 bull and you shoot a bull and he's 378 and you're not happy, I mean, we're talking two inches on an elk, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the same bull. If I put two inches on him, you wouldn't be able to pick which one was which, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, <laughs> And so I've seen so many people who've really fought their heads and, and have hurt their hunts and their experience just over a number. You know, so like I said, I don't want to sound hypocritical because we're trophy hunters. and That's what we're oriented to. That's that's what we outfit. That's our specialty. But at the same time, you don't want to forget the experience, you know, re- regardless of or whether it's a 300-inch bull that you kill. You know what I mean? There's there's an experience that can be had regardless of the outcome of the hunt and the, the number of inches that the tape measure shows. Right, exactly yeah. right. And, I, and I've been fortunate <clears throat> to, to hunt, you know, internationally a lot of places and have unfortunately had other people in camp that are so concerned about what an animal is going to score and if it's a gold medal this or a silver medal that or is it going to net Boone and Crockett. And, you know, those to me it's just it's it borders on absurdity a lot of times. For one thing, a lot of the guys that are setting this, this um, limit or this threshold – don't really know what one is when they see it so they're asking their guide to be within a couple of inches of estimating an antler size of a live animal uh, a lot of times without a whole lot of time to look at it even if you do have a good time to look at it depending on the body size of that elk or mm-hmm. you know deer or whatever it is you, you can have uh, misconceptions about what things are and what it's going to actually score and if you go in saying i'm gonna be upset if i don't get an animal that scores you know a mule that's 200 or a bull that's 400 your guide's going to make sure he's well over that threshold a lot of times before he lets you shoot it. So there's a good chance, you know, a scenario like you just talked about, the guy's, you know, he's going to pass up something because his guy's not going to guarantee him that it's a certain size and he might have a miserable experience on that. The other thing I wanted to say is a lot of Jennifer's listeners to this podcast aren't necessarily hunters and don't really understand what trophy hunting is. But um, it's important for them to know that trophy hunting is shooting an old mature animal um and that's you know when you try to talk about inches of antler that's you know measuring all the length and points and uh uh, widest diameter and circumference of the antlers and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but it does not mean that we cut the heads off and take just the antlers and i think that the term trophy hunting is getting 
a very bad uh, reputation because people don't stick up for it. And, in, you know, it's clear to those of us that hunt that it's much harder to shoot the old mature animal than the young immature animal. Regardless of what you shoot, you're going to take all the meat and you're going to eat it. You're not going to waste it. If you do, that's poaching. That's not legal hunting. So trophy hunting is getting a bad reputation, but it really means you're making it harder on yourself to try to get an animal to fill your tag. And yeah, and like Corey was saying, that one guy who wanted a 380 bull, he would have waited another couple of days to hunt for that bull, and he could have hunted and hiked miles to get that bull. And trophy hunters do spend a lot of time in the area that they're hunting they spend time glassing they spend time looking at the animals and trying to find the biggest one and hiking in to find the biggest one instead of just hopping out of the truck and shooting the first thing they see they spend time trying to get the biggest animal and the oldest animal that will give them like the satisfaction of getting that trophy and also they can bring home meat from that animal and so it there's definitely a lot that goes into it and it's not just hopping out of a truck and shooting the first one that you see yeah i mean almost always you've had chances that younger younger immature animals that aren't as wise and don't understand that you know you could possibly shoot them or, or stand even there and look young at you. animals that are big but mm-hmm. when you realize that they're young animals like no we're going to give that one a couple more years because it's just it can get bigger and it's just too young to shoot yeah and i know that's something Corey, that you guys have discussions about just about every year if not every year that there'll be a, a big deer or, or a big elk but they're young and you guys want them to grow up and mature and pass on their genetics and have a, a full life and be an older age class near their natural life expectancy before they're shot. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You know, and, and like you said, I think trophy hunting gets a very um, negative mystique to it anymore, but you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with trophy hunting if done po- properly. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, if, if you're ethical about it, you're using the meat, you're there for, for the experience, you know, and if, if someone's got the right mind frame and something, there's nothing wrong with pushing yourself physically, mentally, um, you know, exerting yourself and, and setting a goal to achieve a, a high goal. Now, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But just because you take a trophy doesn't mean you're not taking the meat to, you're not, you know, you're, you're right. not doing the exact same procedure on it. And um, you guys are, are the world's at that i laugh because we talked about your uh your juniors hunts and i i still have never seen a family that brings a trailer behind <laughs> the suburban just to carry the ice chest because yep. of how many ice chests full of meat that we end up you know packing out of there and and you know you guys eat uh, i remember when when you came back for the deer hunt we ended up uh, i'm walking in sitting at the, the table one day middle of the day and I'm eating some queso dip or something that you brought and <laughs> I get through it and you're like, oh yeah, that's Jennifer's bear. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's something I probably wouldn't usually want to want to put at the top of my list to eat, but it tasted pretty good, you know? I mean, there's, and and the, the stinky old pig scenario, which which most people don't really enjoy, you've even brought brought that in the form of chorizo to us, you know, that is, yeah. is pretty tasty, you know? So, I mean, there's, I, I don't see a problem with, with you know being trophy oriented as long as you're still respecting what you do and and using the resource properly you know yeah and yeah we do eat everything and i have people who ask me like wait you can eat that we're like we eat everything we have you know (laughs) we uh bear we eat everything even mountain lion and a lot of that stuff we make into jerky 
um and elk we love we eat it all the time in fact we had elk enchiladas last night um but yeah we love it we eat everything and also what i wanted to say was trophy hunters since they are trying to get some of the biggest animals out there a lot of times they'll come back with nothing exactly they right. are willing to come back with nothing just to try and get the biggest animal so they won't stoop down to shoot the smallest youngest one if they have to they will just come home with nothing so yep they, yeah. it's a significant disadvantage when you're targeting just the most <laughs> challenging animals to take and if you don't get an opportunity at something big enough then you know the, it's a lot of times an experience-based thing by the time people start hunting trophies it's because they don't really get a thrill out of just shooting a deer you know you know they they probably like the deer meat but if they don't get meat deer meat for their freezer they're okay with that but they're not going to go out and shoot the first one just to fill their tag they'll pass on a bunch of them and if they don't get one that's fine and the animals get to go on living but usually the one that is taken is at the end of its lifespan, it's achieved, you know, what it's going to and during its life. And it's a good, uh, nice way to end your life. If you look at nature videos about how death usually comes to animals with starvation or being attacked by predators, it's not usually as, as kind as getting shot and dying in a quick manner. Especially and I'll say about like the we meat, try hard to Corey, when we come back with all this ice chest, we brought, you know, we get it processed and give it to family and friends and employees and stuff and wounded warriors and none of it goes to waste. But it's a wonderful way to to uh, consume free range organic good meat. Even Timmy, he'll make jerky and sell it to his friends at Brophy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, go ahead, Jen. I think you're about to wrap it up. Yeah, I did have one question that kind of got lost in the whole score thing. But when you guys are hunting, do you always hunt the same areas, or do you move around? You know, we move around the whole ranch. Um, there's there's obviously, you know, certain guides will have certain areas they like most. You know, kind of each one of us has a has an area or certain areas that are near and dear to our heart. You know, and mm-hmm. usually at some place we've been successful a number of times or something. But the the ranch is so big, you know, and there's so much. We we try to do the do our best to to use the the whole resource, you know, and and hunt different areas. And you don't want to always go go to the same spot. You know what I mean? If if you go to the same spot, you're you're not doing a good job of managing managing the ranch as a whole. So um, the elk can condense certain times of the year, you know, in the rut. They're, you know, sometimes they're they're not everywhere. So you hunt where they are, and there's certain areas where they pretty much always are in the mm-hmm. rut, and there's certain areas where they are sometimes and are, are not as much other times. Um, with the size of the ranch, believe it or not, there's uh, – the ranch will not get the same amount of water ranch-wide, meaning there will be over here got way better rain this year than over here, and so the grass is better, and, and you know, the game is attracted to that. Or over here is, is you know, really dry, and so there's usually that's a good spot, but this year it's not um, as much. But I try to I try to branch out as much as I can. I actually remember <laughs> going back. This is another uh, Griego story. This is with... Uh, um, David? David. Uh, David, yeah, when I took David, he had a late rifle bull tag, and I told him, I remember we were staying up on one end of the ranch, and I said, hey, we're going to this other place tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, it's way back in, we got to we got to drive, then we got to take a quad, and then we got to walk, like three miles in there, and I said, I want to be in there at daylight, so I worked it backwards, you know, it's November-ish or December, somewhere in there, you know, the late rifle hunt, I worked it backwards, and I think I loaded him in the truck at two in the morning, mm-hmm. Um to go and and uh of course in in typical Griego fashion he is related to jennifer i think he was asleep again before we got to the first gate i'm sure <laughs> we we end up we drive you know and i i think it was a two and a half hour truck drive and then a half hour on a quad and then you know walking in the dark and 
and getting in there, you know, and it was a place that I'd hunted, you know, and I knew there would be bulls like we were after and everything, but at the same time, it's hard to, can't load someone up in the truck every day at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and, and go over there. So, um, I try to, try to split it up a little, you know, I mean, there's sometimes like on the earlier hunt, we, I had a deer hunter this last year and we were after a, a tremendous buck, um, that actually me and Bob found when we were working on his antelope yeah. last year. And, uh, we just loaded up and went over there and spent the night for, you know, a night at a time. So we'd go hunt it two days and then we'd come back for a day or so, you know, and he, he's in camp with his buddies and stuff. And so I try to tell people too, I mean, yeah, we're after a big buck, but I mean, that's not lose the experience of you getting to hang out with your friends, you know, mm-hmm. and sit around and, and tell BS stories and everything, you know, but, um, so we, we hunt all sorts of different areas, but there's obviously some areas that you're a little more attracted to, whether it's, you know, proven success or just game amount or, or, um, you know, accessibility. But then there's also areas sometimes where, where you find an, an animal and it's because we don't get over there that much, you know, with, right. with the size of it. Yeah. So there's, it, it allows some stuff to sometimes grow up and you, you see a giant and you're like, Oh, I've never even seen that buck before or something, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Kind of getting around. And, uh, you kind of mentioned this like a little earlier that you don't oh you're not always outfitting or guiding. So what, like, what else do you do besides like running for hair outfitters? I have a bunch of different stuff, actually. So I am a glutton for punishment. And as my wife says, I usually <laughs> bite off about five times more than I can chew. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I have Vaquero Outfitters. I've got a couple um, different companies that do uh, rental properties. We own some rental properties. I've got a, a hay business. We build a bunch of spec houses, um, you know, a, a whole whole number of stuff like that, actually. So I keep myself keep myself pretty busy regardless do you want to you have a uh, contact information or anything you want people if they want hay or anything um how to reach you do you have any numbers yeah, you, everything, put you know everything goes through my cell phone so i appreciate it if you guys got any any questions about hunts or anything you know or or just want to talk it's always um i always enjoy talking to hunters now certain times of the year um i always have to tell myself you know that everyone's everyone gets excited about this stuff you know but like you come into the elk draw and you're getting 15 phone calls a day and you know everyone's got every hunting story they've ever and and they're all good people and i like i like when i can get in camp with them and stuff you know because when you're back in the middle of the day or the evening the the camaraderie and the the friendships that are made through hunting um to me is as fun as the hunt itself you know i mean we we love to hunt we love what we do but i like i do i like the people i like the experience you know and and so that's kind of the, the best time. But yeah, if you, you know, especially we've, the ranch has been, like I said, the, the ranch has been so good to deal with, whether it's the management or the owners or, or the whole way through, they've been, been first class to me from day one. And, um, they've, they've had to start doing, we do some cow elk hunts now for juniors, um, you know, to try to get some, some youth hunters in there. So we've been donating those the last few years and taking anywhere from, 15 to 20 kids in to kill cow elk and, and things like that, you know? And so there's some, some really great programs that we've, we've had going on that have, are, are fun to experience and, and good for the property and good, you know, for sound management practices, you know, and when you, when you have a resource like land like that, you have to manage it, you know, on a livestock basis. Um, we manage it the best we can on a, on a wildlife basis, you know, and, and things like that. And there's, there's so much involved in it that, you know, to, for the land to be at its its best potential, there's a lot, you know, whether it's tree removal, you know, you take all these junipers that, that I'm going to say pretty much grow like weeds, 
you know, in this country and, and it, you know, absorb extreme amounts of water and stuff. There's most people don't realize you can take one piece of land and if it's managed good, it can be good. Or if it's managed bad, it can, it can become almost useless. You know, you can mm-hmm. see, you know, the grass goes away, the weeds come, the, you know, erosion, things like that. So there's, there's so much involved. Um, and we're real fortunate that the, the landowners have a, a good hand in it and, and, you know, really push to, to make it good. Not only one, one thing that's usually kind of nice is, yeah, most of the time it, it's based off of livestock basis, mm-hmm. but usually something that's good for livestock is good for wildlife. You know, when yeah. you're improving habitat, you're improving feed, you're improving water, that, that you know, the, the, the wildlife directly benefits from that as well. So it's, it's a nice symbiotic relationship with all that. Yeah, and yeah. shout out to Chad. You know, I hunted with Chad several times um, before you took over Vaquero Outfitters, and he very much enjoys running the RO Ranch now and does a great job with it. I mean, to see where that ranch, how much it's um, been improved under his leadership has been pretty mm-hmm. amazing. And whether it's juniper removal or water tank um, improvements or adding water tanks or um, fixing the fences and putting in arenas and stuff, he's worked very hard and it certainly shows. Yeah, um, it's really yeah. a special place for sure. Like it's amazing coins. when you see the amount of amount of productivity that happens in a period of time. You know, mm. and especially for me, you know, I spend. If you ask my wife, she'll say I'm not get not saying enough, um, but I probably spend somewhere between 120 to 150 days a year on the ranch. You know, mm. myself personally, and, and she calls those and the like best I, 150 days of her life <laughs> each year. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, that's another thing that's real fortunate. You know, she, the, for, for me, from the elk camp to my house is an hour and 15 minutes, you know, compared to, like I said, when, when we had a broader spectrum and we hunted Sonora and we hunted the Strip and we hunted all over, you know, I mean, some of those places are 10, 15 hour drives, you know, to, to really get into some of those places and stuff. And so it, it's nice. I can, in an hour and 15 minutes, I can be to my house or I can be to the ranch, you know, and and you know see what's going on and uh my family can come out on the weekends i know jennifer my my oldest son who's about four now thinks jennifer is is the the coolest thing since sliced bread so jason yeah. um, is cool well he likes jennifer he sees eye to eye with her that's he not does, fair he does, he does. He does any easier. Well, he can he's see over your head. Bob now, too. <laughs> <laughs> I knew yeah. that was going to happen. You know, it, it, they, they come out. My, my family gets to experience the, the thing, too, you know, and everything. So it, it's hard when you spend that much time away from home. You know, it, it'd be hard if, if I couldn't incorporate them into coming out and, and, you know, being on site. And, you know, we we got my dad comes out and helps, you know, and stuff. And it it's just kind of you know there's a there's a lot of family involvement you know our um like i said my my guide my cook trina um you know i mean they're second to none i I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it without them you know i i let me i wouldn't do it without them and i i've told them all you know and i mean you could take our joke but i've always said not not to downturn the guides but i always say well if one of the guides quits be like oh man that's that's a blow, you know, but if, if our cook Trina ever quit, I'm just shutting up shop, you know, oh, yeah. not, not worth doing anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trina is such a good cook, and it's fun to talk to, and she, she'll go out and glass for us, too, you know, yeah. she does it all. She's very good at, at glassing, and we have a lot of fun with um, with Corey Kassoon and with Blake Chapman and yeah. Casey Kassoon. Those guys are good people. We've had a lot of fun J-W, with them. JW. JW. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, and like you were saying, um, uh, you, like you bring a lot of 
kids out there for youth hunts, which I think is awesome because I grew up on this ra- on that ranch, and we all did. All my my brothers and I did, and we have so many memories. Like I said, we can drive around the ranch, and it's like remember certain things. I remember opening one of the fences, and we put our hats out for money, and obviously we didn't get. Yeah, they're any. asking for tips. We didn't get you any, but whatever. Be <laughs> wherever these guys have, wherever the Griegers have hunted javelina, you got to watch out for arrows that are probably laying it's out true. there. Very <laughs> true. Our joke of it is, is the kids started. The, uh, the Griegos started, youth started hunting with bows for javelinas after they killed the first one, you know, because they started real young on mm-hmm. the ranch with those youth tags, so and I can remember you guys just showing up with handfuls of arrows each. <laughs> and know, leaving and, with like one. <laughs> and, and so our joke is there's, there's very few places around the ranch you can go where the Griegos haven't either shot at or shot a javelina. That's very you know, true. With, with the number of years they've been doing it. That's very true. Make makes for a lot of memories. There's, there's, yes. It's nice to have memories attached to places, you know, and mm-hmm. and the trophy hunts are great. You know, a lot of those people are great. I really enjoy them. Obviously, we're trophy hunters and everything, but some of the youth hunts have been probably some of my more memorable experiences on the ranch with, with different youth hunters and obviously with your family, you know, with with the amount of it that, uh, you know, those are ones that I kind of kind of hold near and dear. I've, I've shot. A, a number of cow elk with people that was every bit as much fun as 380 to 400 oh, yeah. mm-hmm. we killed, you know. Yeah. Yep. It's been fun, especially when we get four elk in two days, <laughs> or cow yeah. elk in two days, three deer well, and three javelina. Pretty quick. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so much fun. And I, I love that ranch. And um, just like, thank you for all, everything you do. Obviously, hearing all that is awesome, and just taking everyone out there and dealing with some people who bully you. I mean, I don't think there are many people like that, <clears throat> Dad. But um, <laughs> what is, yeah, just you knows. know, and thank you for like managing it and doing all that. And I know it's a lot of work, and it's um, a ton of fun hanging out with you and stuff like that. No, we we really appreciate it. We're uh, it it is. I will say it's getting to be kind of sad thinking that you guys aren't going to get to do the youth hunts anymore and stuff, you know, but I'm, I'm sure you'll still still get enough tags here and there to, to make it around and, and come out and help us out no matter what. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sounds great. Yeah, for and sure. yeah, and thank you for coming on here and talking to us. I know you didn't want my dad to bully you that much, and I don't think he did I too think much. I think I was way nicer to Corey than he you know, was to me. I was fine with talking to you, but I didn't really know if I wanted him to be on the, the same deal with us. I'm not sure. I can handle one-on-one Griego. I can stand my ground, but two-on-one sometimes. <laughs> a lot of control. Yeah. I do have this audio clip for you since Jennifer and Carol both have early rifle bull tags. Hopefully this will be what they're thinking. Don't worry. We'll catch our break, too. <laughs> Just got to keep our eyes open. Because <laughs> it will be like Dumb and Dumber when they're out there. Hey. <laughs> I disagree. I think it'll be fun. I think but. we're going to have a little bit of a uh, little bit of wagering going on in camp with with this one. I think this could get a little bit, little bit. Uh, um, there could be some competition. Say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it'll be as intense as Timmy and I's bets tend to be. But I'm definitely not going to have loser written on my face in Sharpie this time, that's for sure. Yeah, you're right. We're going right to a tattoo this time. Oh. So Sharpie. if anybody wants to see a picture of nope. Jennifer with loser written on her face, all you have to do is text me. And then if you text me, I will send you the picture, no problem. Well, you, you probably have you it. Know, you need to so put it on your Vaquero Instagram. No, no. I should. I Corey. Just put it. Yes. We will do that. That's what we'll do. We'll put it on no. the Vaquero Instagram in the next couple of days. No. So you can, can go on there and see this picture of uh-huh. this. No. This will teach you to use this to teach your kids not to gamble. 
because that's right what, exactly what can happen when you when you bet on on hunting with your brother so yeah an eighth of an inch an eighth of a freaking <laughs> inch and others. it wasn't even hunting with you so i don't think you have the right to put that on your instagram because oh, it was it's in colorado celebrating worldwide <laughs> oh whatever oh whatever anyway well thanks for coming on Corey. it was great talking to you and it was so much fun and you know thank you for taking us on your journey with vicar outfitters and everything like that because um, you know life is short and so am I and I'm trying to make the most out of every day and I hope that you guys do too I hope you all have a great journey and you make it an epic one you bet thank you very much and we look forward to seeing you here in a couple months yep Thanks, can't wait Corey. all right bye Thanks Corey for